hello everybody, it's Brother Ethan Cantrell. This is the Legion of Hope Ministry uh, Christian Online Outreach. My topic for today is going to be God's Lost and Found. And I'll be speaking from the book of Luke chapter 15, verse 1 through 32. This is taken from the King James Version. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes remembered, saying, This man receiveth sinners that eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it, until he hath found it? He layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing, and when he that come home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto him, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more over the ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, doth not light a candle, sweep the house, seek diligently till she finds it. And when she hath found it, she call her friends and her neighbors rejoicing together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And this is verse 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and a younger of them said to his father, Give me my portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divideth unto him his living. And not many days after the young son gathered all, he took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, he arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country, and he sent him into the fields of the feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk of the swine did eat, and no man give unto him. And when he came unto himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have, have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of my hired servants. And he rose and came unto his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion for him, ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said of his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they begin to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard the music and the dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked, What do these things mean? And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, would not go, and therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I do serve thee, neither have I transgressed at any time against thy commandment. And yet now thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, Thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. 
it was meet that we should make merry and be glad for thy brother was dead but yet he is alive again and was lost but now he's found and that's my topic for this podcast is that God has a lost and a found department you see we can be caught in the act sometime there are times when we start to look down on somebody else and we find that we owe ourselves are guilty of the same things you know the one thing that i learned as a christian believer while going to church throughout many years was that there were always somebody with a better than you attitude looking down at you in the church house but i'm here to tell you something this this day god says that if you can't forgive you cannot be forgiven in the same way that you treat somebody in judgment god's going to bring it back to you Let me tell you a story. There was a third grade teacher who had three boys named William in her class. Because she called them William, they never knew which one she was talking to. One day during a lesson on efficiency, she thundered, William, put that gum in your chewing on in the trash at once. So all three of them started to rise, paused, then walked to the front of the class to dispose of their gum. The teacher beamed, I caught three with one rebuke. Now that's what I call efficiency. When you're a person that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, many times the word that you're preaching is not just for one person, but it's for the entirety of the body of Christ. Now stop and think about this for just a moment. There are so many people in the church houses today that are struggling with so many different things, yet we have more in common than we realize because A, we're all human. And the Bible says that there's no perfect man. The only other perfect man that walked this earth was none other than Jesus Christ himself. The only one that knew no sin. And the Bible says that when he went to the cross of Calvary, that he took our place on that rugged tree. I'm here to tell you something this evening, everybody. Jesus Christ loves you no matter how bad you have messed up. And Jesus Christ is not afraid to get up in your dirt so let me tell you something this day it doesn't matter how bad you've sinned god still loves you amen and i'm going to take you to the verse here in chapter luke chapter 15 verse 18 and i will set out and go back into my father and say unto him father i have sinned against heaven and against you verse 19 i am no longer worthy to be called your son Make me like one of thy hired servants. Verse 20 says, So he got up and went to his father. You see, one of the things that people do in modern times is they try to run from the presence of God. But I'm here to tell you to do something different today, friend. I'm here to tell you that you need to turn your heart to Jesus and you need to run straight to him. And be like the prodigal son. He says, I have sinned against heaven and against you, Father. But Lord Jesus Will you forgive me of my sins? My friend, if you prayed that prayer today, I pray that God would be with you in all that you do. I got another story here for you. Almost every school and business has a lost and found depository or lost and found box. A place where lost items are kept to wait from reclaiming by their owners. In Luke chapter 15, we could aptly be called the lost and found chapter of the four gospels of Jesus Christ. For it contains only parables of lost things being found. So let's look at the similarities and contrast of these three stories. There's a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. 
See, the title of this teaching is called God's Lost and Found Department. In this situation, we see how the Pharisees like to judge. And this is something that I touched on earlier. You see, so many people that go to churches like to look down with a better-than-you attitude on somebody who walks in the door. But I'm here to tell you something right now, that every person sitting on the pew of the church is nobody greater than anybody. The Bible says we're nothing more than sinners saved by grace and washed in the blood of the Lamb. That means that the person walking in the door needs Jesus just as much as the person that's sitting on the pew. And it's kind of like the waiting office at a doctor's office. When you walk into the waiting room at a doctor's office and you look around, not everybody in there is well. The same thing goes to the people that go to church. If you go to church on a regular basis, it just means you've come to the realization that you need Jesus more than your life than ever before. But maybe you haven't been to church in a long time. I'm here to tell you something today. There's nothing like getting plugged in to a good, spirit-filled local church. And my friend, that's what every single one of us are commanded to do in the Bible. The Bible tells us to forsake not the assembling of thyselves together, even much more as you see that day approaching. I'm here to tell you something today, that God's Son, Jesus Christ, is coming soon. And we need to be in a good local, spirit-filled church like never before. See, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were scandalized, and they said this, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They believed that since Jesus was a prophet, he should avoid this sinful rabble. But I'm here to tell you something. We are called as the believers of God to go out to the highways and to the hedges and to compel people to come to the house of the living God. And let's talk about the reason for here for just a minute. You know, they believe that since Jesus was a prophet, he should avoid this sinful rabble. And the reason was there was an unspoken caste system. A, there were the people of God that were called the law keepers, and they believed that they were to be favored by God. B, there were the average believers back in the day, people who are tolerated by God, and C, the sinners, the people who are despised by God. Now, we know that God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ are very holy. And it's nothing to be taken lightly when we say that we serve a holy, omnipotent, omnipresent God. The Jewish culture was a shame-honor-driven society back in the Old Testament times, and even during the New Testament times when Jesus walked the earth. Virtually everything done in Jewish culture brought either shame or honor. And the primary motivation for what and how things were done was based on seeking honor for oneself and avoiding shame. The Pharisees saw honors and the sinners saw sin or dishonor. There may be a little bit of sarcasm in the reference to where it says, The Pharisees, we do not need to repent in verse 7. But do you know what the Bible says in Romans 3 and 2, 3? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's something that we as people on earth need to realize. That no matter how long somebody's with the church, at one point in somebody's life, that person was a sinner just like you. And it's the job of the believer that goes to church on a regular basis not to condemn the sinner man, but to give him a hand and an outreach and say, you know what? Jesus loves you. And let's talk about how Jesus' reversal of the favor with God. In these parables, Jesus turned his believers' understanding of things upside down. You see, the Pharisees saw themselves as being the beloved of God and the sinners as rejects. But Jesus makes it clear God isn't seeking after Pharisees 
mentioned in Luke 5 and 31. It says this, And Jesus answered and said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they which are sick. Instead, Jesus portrayed God as be, having a tender and personal concern for sinners. And when he finds it, he puts it on their shoulders and leaving all others to seek after them. He portrays God's rejoicing when the individuals who are lost in sin are found and repent. And Jesus reversed their way of thinking. You see, in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector praying in the temple, Jesus said this in Luke 18, 14. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. See, the humor on this is on the spotlessness. Paulette Lewis and her husband were remodeling. He was a step ladder, putting things together on the finished touches on a step ladder. And on the final coat of paint, he noticed how her clothes were speckled with paint and smugly common. I can't believe I did all this without getting a single drop of paint on me. He said he stepped off the ladder and put, it, put the full paint tray down. So let's look at some of these similarities. There are six similarities in parables. One, an object of a person is the lost. This represents our miserable condition apart from God. All our own. Even the son who had been considered so until leaving the home. And three, all remain valuable to the owner despite being lost. The owner having others, talking about coins, sheep, and the other son, never turned away his focus from recovering which was lost. And the focus is on love of the owner for the lost object. And we are to rejoice over people repenting. You know, there is no greater time in the history of man than when a lost sinner comes home to Jesus. So who's who and what's what? In all three parables of the searcher, God is the item and the person searched for. And what that's what the lost sinners represent. And let's talk about the difference of shame and the honor connection. To lose a sheep as a shepherd would be a shameful thing. But for a bride to lose a piece of bridal jewelry or a dowry in her own house would be even more shameful. And the worst of all in Jewish culture would be the loss of a son. A son going off into such debauchery and unthinkable sin in a godless society. And the shame factor comes in on this. It also connects to the number of what's lost. You see, if one out of 100 sheep is lost, 1% is not too bad. But then one out of 10 coins, 10% is worse. But if there's one out of two sons which is lost, that's 50%, and we're still in trouble. And there happens to be an, an appeal to diverse audience. Both poor men and young boys have related to the best to the shepherd and to the lost sheep. And women would have related best to the lost bridal coin. And the last parable dealt with everyone present by dealing with the relationship of a father and a son. And there's a difference in the faithful son. And let's read the text again from Luke chapter 15, verse 25 through 32. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants, asking him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf. Because he has him back in safe and sound, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, 
all of these years I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed you, orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat or a kid so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who's squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill this fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because your brother yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. You know, that reminds me of the old hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. See, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. That is not an understatement. All of humanity at some point has had sin in their life. Amen? And it's sad. But Jesus Christ made the way of salvation that you and I might be free. And through the cross of Calvary and us putting our faith in Him, we can be made whole and be reconciled to God the Father. I'm going to talk about a direct address to the Pharisees and to the teachers. We find that they not only did the younger son leave the father's house, but here the older son refuses to go into the father's house. The older son betrayed three bad attitudes. A, all of these years I've been slaving for you, and that's Luke 15, 29. He used the Greek word doulos, a bond slave, and the older son implied that the servant his father had been a burden to him and not an enjoyable experience. And he said, I've been serving you out of slavery to duty and works. Well, you know, that kind of reminds me what the scripture says, that faith without works is dead. My friend, if you don't have the joy of the Lord when you're doing the work of God, you need to go pray. Here's the second attitude taken from Luke 15 and 29. He said, you never gave me not even a young goat or a kid so that I could celebrate. There was no joy in the service of the older son. See, that's what's happened to a lot of believers who go to church now. There is no joy in their servitude to Father. And let me tell you something. Jesus said, I'll give you a peace that surpasses all understanding and joy unspeakable and full of glory. When Christ is truly in your heart, there'll be a, just a joy that bubbleth up because the Spirit of God lives in you. See, the Father said he could have had this celebration, but he didn't. And we got too many people in the churches today that have become the frozen chosen and that's not the way that God has intended it see the Bible says in Psalms chapter 150 let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord and I believe that with all my heart today the third attitude that this older son had it was mentioned in Luke 15 and 29 he said I never disobeyed your orders you know we got some people sitting on the pews today in the charities of the living God that feel like that, you know what? I've never messed up. Well, the Bible tells us that our righteousness as that of filthy rags. If you believe that in your heart and your mind, you need to repent and get back right with God. Because let me tell you, the Bible says that all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. But we've got a lot of Pharisees and Sadducees sitting in the pews of the church house today that think that they know more than the preachers. I've seen this time and time again in my life as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus in his character of the Father's story gently reminds the Pharisees of this in Luke chapter 15, 31, that God does favor the obedient. He's always with them and he all, and all he has is theirs. And that lets me know that when I'm serving the living God, 
that I am a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he's my big brother. And I don't know about you, but that just makes me happy on the inside of my heart. The fourth thing we're going to talk about is that Jesus also reminds them about how God feels about his lost children. A, that God is seeking them ever, continually. See, the angels of heaven rejoice when one lost sinner comes home to Jesus. And B, that their return is a cause of rejoicing. C, that the spiritually dead Pharisees should come and join the party. You know, the thing that should make every single believer in Christ happy is when we hear that a lost saint sinner has come home. Amen. And I don't know about you. It makes me happy on the inside every time I know that somebody comes back to the Lord. Amen. The fifth thing we're going to talk about is that the younger brother had experienced grace. The older brother, while depending on works, desperately needed to experience the same grace to cover his hidden issues of the heart. See, there's a lot of people that sit on the pews of churches on a regular basis. And although they have a lot of head knowledge of God, they don't have a lot of heart knowledge. But this younger son realizing in his heart that he had strayed far from where he should be with the good Lord. I don't know about you this day, but I will know the most important decision that I will ever make is giving my life to Jesus Christ. For me personally, some 30 years ago in 1989, when the Lord came into my heart and I accepted him as my Lord and Savior was the greatest day of my existence. But let me give you an illustration for just a moment. It is said that during the Second World War, there were some soldiers serving in France that wanted to bury a friend and a fellow soldier who had been killed. Being in a foreign country, they wanted to ensure their fallen comrade had a proper burial. They found a well-kept cemetery with a low stone wall about it it was a picturesque little catholic church and a peaceful outlook this was just the place to bury their friend but when they approached the priest he answered that unless their friend was a baptized catholic he could not be buried in the cemetery and this soldier wasn't since in the soldier's disappointment the priest showed them a spot outside the walls where they could bury their friend and reluctantly they did so the next day, the soldiers returned to pay their final respects to their fallen friend, but could not find the grave. Surely we can't be mistaken. He was right here, they said. Confused, they approached the priest who took them to a spot inside the cemetery walls. He said this to the soldiers. Last night, I could not sleep, said the priest. I was touched by your love for your friend and thought it petty that your friend had to be buried outside the cemetery walls. So I got up and during the night broke the wall apart and moved it out to include the grave. And this is the call to all the non-believers out there. Have you ever felt like God would accept you for some reason? Remember, it's you God is seeking after. And he rejoices when you come back and have a relationship with him. And I'm asking you this day, does anyone feel like, though a believer, God hasn't blessed you like he has others? And let me tell you something today. God wants to heal you and the hurts in your heart today. And all you have to do is call out to God in prayer. My friend, if this message has touched your heart, we would love to hear from you. You can send a message in to the Legion of Hope Christian Ministry online, online outreach Facebook page. I'd love to hear from you. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. You see, the Bible says in John chapter 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth shall not perish, 
but have everlasting life. Romans chapter 10 says this, For all those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you're a sinner out there today and you're listening to this message, I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you will, bow your head. Lord Jesus, I'm nothing more than a sinner. But Lord, I'm asking you to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Please cleanse my heart from all unrighteousness. Please forgive me for any sins against you by thought, by word, or deed. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross of Calvary. I believe you went into the grave, rose on the third day, and ascended back to God the Father. And I believe with all my heart, Jesus, that as an act of my faith, Lord, that you have forgiven me of my sins. And I praise you for that, Father. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I want to welcome you to the kingdom of heaven. The angels of heaven are rejoicing with you if you prayed that prayer in faith. After this, the thing you need to do is find you a good spirit-filled local church that you can get plugged into and read your Bible and pray on a daily basis. And after that, you need to be baptized in water. The Bible says, Repent ye, be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And after you've done that, you're eligible for the gift of the Holy Spirit. But in order to get that gift, you need to be sanctified, consecrated before the Lord your God. If you'll do those steps and work on a daily basis on your faith in Jesus, my friend, there's a day of days when he will return for his bride, but he's only coming back for a spotless bride, and I pray that you'll be ready on that day of days. Well, this concludes my teaching for today. I hope this has blessed you. May God keep you and watch over you, and keep looking up, church, for Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon.